Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Frank Stample, along with you guys here until 1 o'clock Eastern. And then uh, you'll catch Frank a little bit later in the show with Greg Sussman. They cap off the week with the Fantasy BFF. So hopefully you enjoyed our team previews all week long. We'll continue it next week uh, for sure. And uh, Frank, it's uh, you know time where we can really start digging in on some of these numbers for spring training. I don't know that they really mean a lot, but at least we have some data to go over and it's also interesting now this uh, this time of the year to start looking at the lineups because, as an example, when you see teams uh, in the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League, Frank, when they play night games, you got to pay more attention than you do to the day games because those night games are almost like uh, dress rehearsals for the regular season because a lot of these teams realize a lot of the games are going to be played at night. Yeah, it's a really good point uh, for spring training here. We always kind of bring up, well, what's real and what's not? What do you pay attention to throughout spring? And obviously where players are batting in the lineup, something they might be doing mechanically, using a new pitch. These are all things to pay attention to. I mentioned it in the first hour. Cesar Hernandez has been batting towards the top of the Indians lineup, potentially something we can see early in the season uh, heading into the regular season with the Cleveland Indians. I know Ahmed Rosario has been batting towards the top of the lineup for the Mets as well. They have Brandon Nim. They have Jeff McNeil, so how is that situation going to play out? Because that completely changes the dynamic of Ahmed Rosario's fantasy value this upcoming season. So you're right, Craig. These are all things that we should be paying attention to this time of year. Yeah, also uh, just an update from uh, about 30 minutes ago. Um, Oscar Mercado of the Cleveland Indians looks like he's going to undergo an MRI. So uh, probably won't have the results of that on this show. But whenever you hear that, it's... uh, it's uh, not a good sign. And, Frank, there aren't a lot of skill set guys that are really replaceable with him. And then, you know, the natural progression here for me, Frank, it's the first time that on this show that I can legitimately say that uh, a team should probably call Puig. And if Mercado is out for a period of time, I got to say, probably time, right? Like, I mean, it, it would make sense at that point, the team that he played with last year. Is this the most positive thing you said about Yasiel Puig here on Fantasy Sports Today since we've been doing it it together? That's it. You know, it's funny. I was on social media, and I said Puig may not play the whole year. People crushed me. Are you crazy? What are you talking about? Here we are almost two months later. Guys, still have some time. Dan Strafford's got the update. We'll be back after it. Well, Craig and Frank, we have some news on Blake Snell as well. He could return to Grapefruit League action on Monday. Snell threw a 20-pitch bullpen session on Friday, which was the first time he's thrown off a mound since he received a cortisone injection in his left elbow last week. Andrew Benatendi returns to the Red Sox Grapefruit League lineup on Thursday. He'd been nursing a quad injury. AJ Puck has cleared of any structural damage in his pitching shoulder. That was on Thursday. Athletics manager Bob Melvin said that Puck will do a few more days of strengthening drills before he begins playing catch again. As you mentioned, Greg, Indians outfielder Oscar Mercado was diagnosed with a sprained left wrist after sustaining the injury while making a diving catch in the outfield on Thursday. 
during an Indians game. He will get an MRI at some point soon. We will share the results once we have them. In the NBA, a big game on tap. In the association, the Milwaukee Bucks visit the Los Angeles Lakers. If you believe in the odds in the NBA, this is an odds-on favorite for an NBA Finals matchup. Currently, the Lakers minus 1.5 at 228.5 over under. Other news in the association, Garrett Temple is out for the Nets tonight with an ankle sprain. That's against the San Antonio Spurs. Evan Fournier of the Magic has been ruled out of Friday's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Other contests tonight, Grizzlies are at the Mavericks. Heat play the Pelicans in New Orleans. The Pacers are in Chicago to take on the Bulls. Jazz are at the Celtics, probably the second best matchup of the night. Boston minus 2.5 at 221 over under in that one. And in some NFL news, New York Jets defensive lineman Quinn. Williams found a stiff defense attempting to board a flight Thursday night. He was arrested on a charge of criminal possession of a weapon Thursday night when he attempted to board a plane. Police said in a statement, New York, New Jersey Port Authority Police said Williams, the team's first round draft pick last season, was arrested at LaGuardia Airport around 9.15 p.m. and charged. I'm Dan Strafford and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. All right, thanks very much, Frank. And we'll keep an eye on uh, Oscar Mercado, a uh, you know, arguably a top 100 player. In, uh, in fantasy this year. And so, uh, you know, 15 home runs, 15 steals, 15 home runs, 20 steals, as I said. Uh, you know, Frank said nothing wrong with being wrong. I got to tell you, I did shows the last three years. People asked me about Mercado. I'm like, are you crazy? This guy's a nothing. He's not going to play. He's not going to play well. I think they traded him, if I'm not mistaken. You got to look this one up, Frank. It was maybe Rob Kaminsky. Like, it was just, I don't think they got anything even back for for Mercado when they made that deal. I, I didn't think that he was in anything. Really skinny kid. And, uh, and man, he, is, he has been great. The Cardinals regretting that deal, for sure. Uh, speaking of the Cardinals, Frank, uh, Colton Wong, according to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, could lead off for St. Louis this year. Man, I mean, Wong won the Gold Glove last year. Maybe this is it. Maybe it's like he's hitting these prime years after signing that extension, and he just becomes that guy that uh, we thought that he would end up being. And, and look, he's still a pretty good player. He's, you know, not a top five second baseman in fantasy, but, you know, he's out. He's outside of that realm. He you know, has the potential to steal more bases. The only thing that I wouldn't read much into here with this one is uh, the Cardinals lineup isn't very good behind Wong. Like, it's not great. It's probably just good. So in a normal situation, especially, Frank, on an American League team with Wong leading off, you would say, oh, 120 runs, right? No doubt if he's leading off. But on this team, I don't know. Not sure. Yeah, it's been really inconsistent yearly production from Colton Wong. Obviously, uh, had a great year last year. 11 home runs, 24 stolen bases. But you look at the past couple of seasons before that. Nine homers, six steals. Four homers, eight steals. Five homers, seven steals. Like It's been a lot of inconsistent production from Colton Wong, but did take that step last year, so hopefully that's something he can build off of. Someone who makes a ton of contact in his career, just a 15% strikeout rate. Uh, you know, it's something that's nice to see nowadays uh, with most hitters, you know, striking out 20-plus percent of the time, 25% of the time. Uh, Colton Wong is someone who still does make a lot of contact. Solid eye at the plate as well. We saw him last year with a 361 on base percentage, so uh, solid all around there from from Colton Wong. If you want some steals later on in your draft, I think 15 plus fair projection for Colton Wong. And Craig, say it with me loud and proud. We can make this Cardinals lineup great again. You know how we do it? Dylan Carlson. I mean, they'd have to give him a shot. I mean, that's that's kind of the key to doing this. They have to give him the opportunity to make the opening day roster. And I mean, St. Louis has not been that kind of team that's going to hold back players from that, but I'm not sure how they how they feel about it. 
Uh, we got a raise preview uh, continuing. Uh, the news is good on Blake Snell. Uh, Josh Tolentino reporting minutes ago that Snell is going to pitch in a simulated game uh, on Monday. Um, so even though this may not put him on track to start opening day, this is a really good sign. And Snell potentially could return earlier than uh, than anticipated. And then the other story that's, you know, I had to dive into today, and I've been trying to follow this one, Frank, for the last few weeks, is, uh, you know, the player that was traded for JT Real Muto, Sixto Sanchez, who was arguably a top five pitching prospect in all of baseball, hasn't pitched at all in the spring. Um, you know, I, I saw him, he's been on the field, he's been working out, and, and the club is saying that they're happy with him. But, you know, from our purposes in fantasy, uh, you know, we want to see this guy pitch in the spring. So we think if we could draft him, he can end up pitching in the regular season. Uh, at least for me, from what I'm understanding, he's not going to pitch at all in spring training. And so he'll make his debut on backfields and in minor league games uh, coming up next week and the week after that. And I'm supposing at this point, at least from what I believe, and, and you you know, follow the box scores too, and I'm seeing it in person, Edward Cabrera, uh, you know, I don't know if, I, I believe Edward Cabrera is probably going to end up being better than Sixto Sanchez. If you don't believe that, that's cool. But as far as the ETA to the big leagues this year, if you're pitching in the spring now, the odds are you have a better shot of pitching in the regular season sooner. So I would think that Cabrera has moved up ahead of Sanchez in terms of ETA with the Marlins this year. We may not see Sanchez till June or July. Yeah, and potentially not at all this upcoming season. Remember, I mean, and you know this firsthand, Craig. Obviously, you cover the Miami Marlins. They're not at the same level as the Baltimore Orioles. I think they're a little bit further along in terms of their development and obviously their rebuild. But... Um, they're going to play the service time with a lot of these guys as well, Craig. So obviously, you know, you want to be excited about Sixto Sanchez, big name prospect coming over in the Real Muto trade. But again, he's he made 18 starts at Double A last year. He's got to get potentially more seasoning there. Then he's got to work his way up to Triple A. We're not seeing him throughout the spring. You know, I'd be surprised, honestly, if we saw him at all this upcoming season. And again, you know more than I do when it comes to the Miami Marlins. But uh, we can't even really say September call up anymore, Craig, because they're not going to expand the rosters to 40 men. Uh, when it comes to September anymore. so And I don't really think it makes much sense for the Miami Marlins to do something like that at that point, unless somehow they're competing for the National League wild card uh, because you know, maybe then they want to call up Sixto Sanchez to help out their chances. But uh, ultimately, I think we're looking at a game of service time here and controllability for the Miami Marlins. And I, I'm thinking we probably don't see him until next season in 2021, Craig. Yeah, I, I think we'll see him this year. I, I just don't think um, it'll be more than like seven or eight starts. I, I would think it's like an August, September call-up type situation. Um, what I what I think is going to happen here, Frank, this is from what I'm gathering and understanding, is that uh, Cabrera and Sanchez maybe are on two timelines where Cabrera comes up sooner, let's say June, and because he starts sooner and he started now and he's starting the pitch in, in minor league games, he goes through, let's say, August, and then when they shut Cabrera down, that's when Sanchez comes up and and finishes out the year uh, for Miami, and I, and I think that could potentially end up being the way that they do it but for fantasy purposes for both these guys great keeper potential but for 2020 i have to agree with you there i think that um whatever sanchez's adp is in the nfbc it's got to be moved down i just i don't i don't see a ton uh coming from him this year all right uh coming up next it's time to take a look at the tampa bay rays win total in 2020 and here's a hot tip if you want to go under on the Rays' win total, you're probably going to lose because you lose every single year betting under on the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, this team just every single season overachieves 
It was the Oakland A's for a number of years, and now it is the Rays. How do they do it? Why do they do it? No one can really figure it out, but they're a great organization, very well run, very well oiled, and always seem to be near the top. And at the wild card, we'll build our narratives for how they go over 91 and a half wins and how they go under 91 and a half wins. That's coming up next here on Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Frank here with you until 1 o'clock on the East. It's going to be a good weekend for those of you watching college basketball, some spring training baseball. And most importantly, Frank's day doesn't end. Because right now, after Frank leaves the show, he goes, he grabs his quick Taco Bell. He goes to Dairy Queen to get his 80 cent ice cream. Gets on a uh, hot air balloon. Flies over from New Jersey to New York. And then lands where he is picked up by Chris Pavona off the floor. He puts him over his shoulder. Carries him up until Studio uh, 42 in Versa. Eats a quick uh, hot dog. And then hosts the BFF show with Greg Sussman. And the topics on this show are what today exactly, Frank? Oh, Craig, we have another riveting position preview for you. The catcher position. That's right. We finally round things out. Our final position. Save the best for last. We're talking catchers later today. What can be better than that? Uh, And I actually wish that... The scenario you just painted would play out. And if there were anyone to pick me up off the ground and drag me up into the studio, it would be the manimal Chris Bavona. Speaking of hot dogs, Craig, uh, how did you enjoy that hot dog? Joe Ranieri said you were scarfing one down as you were talking to Brandon Hyde, uh, and then you you you, you kind of washed that down with a beer. How was that? Yeah, that was that's uh, not true, not true on the uh, on the side of Joe <laughs> Ranieri. Not true, but good story, good story made up for sure. Okay, uh, back to baseball we go. The Tampa Bay Rays win total at the FanDuel Sportsbook, uh, at least online. I don't know. They have uh, the win totals out there uh, in New Jersey? I don't know. 91.5 is the win total. I'm sure I, I could find them somewhere. Yeah? Don't don't get up, though, during the show. <laughs> you still putting a TV there behind you there, or is it clear? I can't see. What are you talking about? Were they put, when are they Come installing? On, I, got, the I got a New York behind me, Craig. Is it a TV or is it a background? What is it? That is a TV. It's a very large TV, might I add. All right. Well, look, I'm just trying to understand the technology here. You know, this is actually me, like right behind where I am. Like this is this is my view every single day. Like, look at this great building I have. Oh yeah, here. that's Florida, right there behind you. Look at that, you Florida that, man. See that bird flying by right now? Oh, you see it? Oh, almost got it. <laughs> All right, the Rays total ninety one and a half. Frank, let's build our uh, let's build our overs or unders here. If I'm going to do anything, I'm going over on the Rays. I'm not going under. I would have lost a lot of money betting under with them. Um, but here's the best case scenario for the Rays this season to go over ninety one and a half, and it's probably more likely than the under. Uh, Charlie Morton stays healthy. Charlie Morton pitches like Charlie Morton. Uh, Brent Honeywell comes back, picks up the slack, makes about ten starts, and pitches like an elite pitcher. Uh, Austin Meadows has the season that he had again last year. I don't see why not. Yandy Diaz stays healthy for the entire season, plays third, plays a little bit of first base. 
Jose Martinez comes over from St. Louis and shows what he could be with more plate appearances, and that would appear to be the case, especially against left-handed pitching, as you mentioned. I think there's a good shot of him succeeding there. And then uh, late in September, all of a sudden, they call up this kid, Wander Franco, and the Rays end up winning 95 games and maybe even winning the division. I, I think all these things are within the realm of possibility. And honestly, for them not to win 90 games, I think the wheels would have to fall off. Boston's not as good. The Orioles are certainly not that great. And uh, Toronto isn't either. So I think it's an easy build for me to go on the over there. Yeah, I'm with you here, Craig. Think about this. They won 96 games last year. That was with Tyler Glass now only pitching 60 innings. That was with Blake Snell missing a large majority of the season as well. It was basically Charlie Morton and a who's who of openers, Yanni Chirinos, uh, Ryan Yarbrough as well, and they still managed to win 96 games. So here's my best-case scenario for the Tampa Bay Rays. Blake Snell turns out to be all right. He winds up making 25 starts with a sub-3.00 ERA this upcoming season. He's not going to get back to the pitcher he was back in 2018 when he won the American League Cy Young. I mean, we're not projecting a sub-2 ERA. That would just be insane. Uh, but sub-3 ERA, 11, 12 Ks per nine. Blake Snell makes 25 starts. Everything is good at the top of the rotation with the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's double down on starting pitching. Tyler Glass now also makes 25 starts with a sub 3.5 ERA. We saw a ton of upside last year from Glass now. Throws near 100 miles per hour. Nasty hook. Working on a splitter as well. That is Tyler Glass now. Again, don't trade with the Tampa Bay Rays. Pittsburgh Pirates, man. You, you traded away Garrett Cole. You traded away Tyler Glass now. You traded away Austin Meadows. It's time. Just don't trade with the Tampa Bay Rays. Just stop doing that. Yandy Diaz continues to raise the launch angle. I mentioned this earlier in the show here, Craig. And if he does that, I think it's within the realm of possibility that he hits 325-plus home runs and winds up forming one of the best American League duos in the uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays with Austin Meadows and with Yandy Diaz there. They kind of form a tandem, uh, you know, two great hitters here for the Tampa Bay Rays. And if they do all that, the Yankees continue to suffer from injuries. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, that Garrett Cole, that guy stinks, continues to give up home runs in Yankee Stadium. Uh, and all those things happen. The Rays can push for 100 wins. Again, they won 96 last year with all those injuries. And they wind up winning the American League East. I could see it happening, Craig. Yeah, I mean, it's very realistic. Uh, I, Tampa's got a healthier team at this point, a healthier offense at this point. Wouldn't shock me at all to see the Rays win the division and the Yankees uh, get the wild card. Uh, okay, so now the worst-case scenario, which, by the way, for the Rays is also possible because a couple of injuries to this team in particular and the depth is not really there for everyday players. Uh, the worst-case scenario would be for them is that Blake Snell's injury is more than we're leading on, and even with him scheduled to pitch Monday, he misses, let's say, on the season 10 starts. I think that would be significant. Snell misses 10 starts. That would hurt. Let's also be real. Tyler Glass now has not been healthy, and let's say he's not again. Let's say something happens to him again. That's possible as well. So let's build that into the discussion as well on the under. The Rays' Emilio Pagan was fantastic last year. They, you know, they they replaced him with Nick Anderson toward the end of the year, but Ryan Stanek was also good for them as well. So uh, bullpens are not easily replaceable. Maybe Pagan goes to the Padres, and it wasn't a great trade for them to make that deal. That's possible as well. They traded Tommy Pham away too, who will replace him. And then, of course, there's always that question that the opener doesn't work as well in one year than it worked the year before. 
but again, when you're doing these and you're going to go on a side or a total at anything in sports, whether it's, it's wagering or just information, you got to give both sides of the story. And there is definitely a side of that Ray story that could go the other way. There are a lot of very unknown players, but if you're going to trust any organization, the Rays are probably one to trust. So um, not one that I'll get involved in, but if I did have an opinion on it, which I very least can give here, I would lean toward the over 91 and a half wins. Craig, did you read my mind? Did you steal my show notes? Because we have a lot of the worst case scenarios playing out similarly here for the Tampa Bay Rays. I think it starts again with the starting pitching uh, and injuries are abound. Blake Snell and Tyler Glass now. Look, there's a chance they can make less than 10 starts. As you mentioned, I think that that is, you know, a very obvious number. Last year, Glass now only pitched 60 innings. Blake Snell in and out of the lineup. Uh, what if Blake Snell needs Tommy John surgery? Obviously, you don't want those two words mentioned with Blake Snell, but now, you know, getting a cortisone shot in his elbow. He had a surgery last season to clean up his elbow as well. Uh, so, again, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Charlie Morton has dealt with injuries in the past uh, as well, not last year. 194 innings, but the couple of years before that, you know, he did miss about you know five, six starts every single season. So what if that rears its ugly head as well? Austin Meadows regresses and goes into a slump similar to what he did last year. You know, whether it's just performance based, whether it's injury related, uh, and he goes into a longer slump than what we saw last season in 2019 and doesn't come close to repeating the numbers uh, that we saw last season. Obviously, a mainstay in the Rays lineup. They expect him to be the anchor there uh, and obviously if you know he doesn't perform to what's expected then maybe that affects the entirety of the lineup there with the Tampa Bay Rays I'm going to the bullpen as well here Craig Nick Anderson does not live up to the expectations he winds up blowing five plus saves this season Jose Alvarado continues to struggle with the walks Diego Castillo struggles with command as well and the back end of the bullpen just completely implodes for the Tampa Bay Rays uh, and if all of these things happen Again, a lot of it is injury-related, but there is some risk involved with these Tampa Bay Rays pitchers. They barely win 80 games, and they miss out on a wild-card spot, Craig. Mm. Yeah, I think that 80 is a little little low. Uh, even if they don't get to 91, I still feel like they're close to, um, you know, I would say a little bit above 500. Worst-case scenario, they're minus six or seven wins off that 91.5, but... Uh, a very well thought out process for sure on uh, on both sides, no doubt about it. And so, uh, which which direction do you want to go Monday, by the way, with team previews, Frank? It's like, uh, I mean, do we have to go American League East, or do you want to switch it up? What are you thinking? I know you mentioned the Central earlier. I can't think of anything I would rather do than talk about the Detroit Tigers, Craig. So why don't we jump into Miguel Cabrera and Travis Demerit since they're just crushing Garrett Cole because he stinks. Well, I want to save the Tigers for Tuesday because I may see the Tigers uh, on Monday. So let, let's oh, right, see if right, we can. Right. Yeah, we, let's maybe save that for Tuesday. But nonetheless, all of our team previews are available on demand on our YouTube Sports Grid page. You can also go to sportsgrid, sportsgrid.com and check out all of our previews as to who we're talking to and what we're doing and the players, the sleepers, the players we like and we don't like. And we'll update that for you all right up until, uh, I believe, the 25th of March. We'll close it out because, of course, the 26th is opening day, 2020. All right, uh, coming up next, it is time to bring politics to fantasy sports today. And in a good way, because we have Frank's stamp of approval next. Frank is going to give us a minimum 
of four players, maybe five if we have time, that we'll discuss and we'll go over that Frank thinks could end up being studs for you in the 2020 fantasy baseball season. So Frank's stamp of approval is next. And then we're going to talk about Jordan Alvarez of the Houston Astros. Seems to be a little bit of concern over him not playing in some games because of his lower half. Not a guy that plays defense, so should we be that concerned? We'll talk about him coming up in about 50 minutes from now. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today. Greg and Frank, back with you here on Sports Grid in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. His approval rating, the highest of his career. Record disapproval from voters. Approval ratings at its peak. This is what gets Frank's stamp of approval. Welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today. And it is time, our once a week segment, where we bring in our key politician to give a stamp of approval on players in Major League Baseball for fantasy that we want to see succeed. But the problem is, is that we don't know who they are. So we got to turn it over to Frank Stamfel as he's got a list of players for us who give the stamp of approval in 2020. And Frank, look, it can come from the top. It can come from the bottom. We're just looking for some players that you think need a little bit of a boost in our attention and in the NFBC. So give us an idea as to who you think those are. Get us started. Let's start over in the Bay Area on the West Coast. The Oakland A's, you know what I'm talking about, at the hot corner, it is Matt Chapman. I think he gets lost in the mix a little bit because the third base position is so deep, but the numbers are legit, especially the power numbers. 36 home runs last season, back-to-back seasons with 100-plus runs scored. The batting average did go from 278 in 2018 to 249 in 2019, but his batting average on balls in play went from 338 to 270 despite hitting the ball harder in 2019 than he did in 2018. He dipped a little bit in the second half. Seems like he fell in love a little bit with the home run, started striking out, hitting a few more fly balls. But he was dealing with an ankle injury as well in July, so maybe that's something that lingered for him throughout the second half. You know he's going to play every single day because the defense is top-notch. He's going to be... I think the next Josh Donaldson, potentially even this season, and a healthy Josh Donaldson. If you worry about Donaldson and the injuries that he's suffered, why don't you just draft Matt Chapman over him? I see a lot of similar skill sets. Again, the power throughout the minor leagues was legitimate. It's a great lineup with the Oakland A's there. Not the best ballpark to hit in, but I think that his power kind of transcends wherever he hits. The lineup, again, one that's featuring Marcus Semien, Matt Olson. Crush Davis. There's a lot to be excited about with this lineup, and I think that 2020 is the breakout season for Matt Chapman. Hits 270, 40 home runs. The counting stats are there because the lineup is really good, and he's in that lineup every single day. Matt Chapman, you have my stamp of approval. Wow, was that a double stamp there? 
<laughs> That's a double stamp. That's how much we like Matt Chapman, Craig. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Double stamp. Yeah, I mean, Chapman, good offense, good defense. Uh, you really didn't you know, go too far off the reservation with that one, honestly, Frank. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, a couple of years ago, we would have given the no stamp. Respect. He really doesn't. But you know what? Ryan Healy didn't get a lot of respect either. Look how that worked out for him. I'm not saying that Matt Chapman's Ryan Healy, but... Um, look, I'm in. I'm, you know, 30 home runs sounds good to me, and his defense is always going to play, so it keeps him in the game. So, you got the double stamp of approval. You got both. You got a Bavona double stamp. A Bavona double stamp. All right, that's what we're going to go with today when it comes to Matt Chapman. He doesn't have the stamp of approval from Craig Mish, but he has my stamp. He has Chris Bavona's stamp as well. We've got the double stamp, not the triple stamp. Craig Mish is out. He doesn't like when I talk about really good third baseman, apparently. Another player here, Scott Kingery, who can give you a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, going a little bit later than Matt Chapman, so I know that that will delight Craig Mish as well. 19 home runs and 15 stolen bases in just 126 games last season for Scott Kingery. Remember, he signed the contract extension before ever playing a single game in the major leagues. Struggled in his rookie season in 2018, but then last year, 2019, seems like he finally got an everyday job, and I expect an everyday job for Kingery heading into 2020 as well. The hard contact went from 27% in 2018 to 46% in 2019. I want to see him cut down the strikeouts a little bit. He was up around 30%. If he does that, we could be looking at a 270-ish hitter, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, all within the realm of possibility for Scott Kingery. Um, and every look, everyone's trying to find speed. I'm telling you, Scott Kingery is someone that can give you that. Maybe he gives you 25 stolen bases. It's not crazy. The guy had a 29 stolen base season in the minors a couple years ago. In 2017, the season that he had that earned him that contract without ever swinging a bat in the major leagues, he had 26 home runs, 29 stolen bases. Back in 2017, he's going to play every day. He has dual position eligibility, third base, outfield, wherever you want to use Scott Kingery. Absolutely love the value going in those double-digit rounds as well. Everyone wants Byron Buxton, the name Byron Buxton, the, the prospect value that is uh, Byron Buxton. Well, why don't, you, why don't you just take Scott Kingery? You're probably going to get similar numbers, and he's going to stay healthier than someone like Byron Buxton as well. Kingery, you have my stamp of approval. Yeah, Frank, I mean, Kingery at this point, you're looking at everyday playing time. I mean, if, if this kid comes anywhere close to what he did in the minor leagues, he is going to be a star in both reality and fantasy. Uh, I, I just don't think it's conducive for some Major League Baseball players to play all over the diamond and then put up offensive numbers. You know, players have proven this wrong. Marwin Gonzalez is a good example of that. But Kingery came up basically playing one position, and he was playing everywhere last year. I'd like to see him at one or two positions so that he could just focus on the offense and see where he could go. Um, I tried to get him in the 12-team auction in uh, Tout Wars uh, this past weekend. But his, I mean, it was very late, by the way, in our auction, too, and it just kept going. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I had to stop. Uh, one of the few guys that I was in on in the bidding and didn't get, but I am in on Kingery, so... Uh, not a double stamp of approval, but like a single stamp of approval for Kingery. A single stamp of approval for Scott Kingery. We'll take it, man. Craig Mitch is finally in on one of the players that I like. Scott Kingery, worth mentioning, Roster Resources has him projected as the starting second baseman and leadoff man 
for the Philadelphia Phillies. So maybe we're looking at 80, 90 plus runs for Kingery, obviously until Andrew McCutcheon is back as well. Uh, and then he'll have three position eligibility, second base, third base, and outfield. Again, that is Scott Kingery who has my stamp of approval. Let's move over to a starting pitcher. And I feel like Craig's probably not going to like this player, but it doesn't matter. It's my stamp of approval. It's not Craig's. And I'm talking about Matt Boyd of the Detroit Tigers. Broke out in 2019 ish kind of broke out in 2019 238 strikeouts in 185 and a third innings pitch the era really ballooned in the second half he wound up at 4.56 i understand the era is not where you want it to be at but hey we still draft robbie ray every single year and he gives you a ton of strikeouts so why don't we get excited about matt boyd and the possibility that matt boyd can lower his era this upcoming season because while he had a 4.56 era his xfit was 3.88 his skill interactive ERA, that is Sierra, was 3.61. Matt Boyd was unlucky last year, especially in the home run department. His home run to fly ball ratio in the second half was 20%. League average is around 10 to 12%. So if he can get that down to league average, then I think we're looking at a sub-4 ERA for Matt Boyd, a sub-120 whip, someone who could potentially flirt with 250 strikeouts this upcoming season. He has a phenomenal slider, one of the best in the game, up there with Patrick Corbin. And I watched his start against the Yankees last weekend. He's got it, man. He has the it factor. The velocity is up. He's throwing 92, 93 miles per hour. He's got the slider, as I mentioned. And he dabbles with the curve and change. I want to see him use that curve and change even more because I have confidence in the pitch. That means he should have confidence in the pitch. I'm telling you, some of these curveballs that he was letting fly last week against the Yankees were absolutely phenomenal. We could be looking at a four-pitch pitcher, 250 strikeouts. You're getting him in the double-digit rounds right now as your SP3, maybe your SP4. Matt Boyd, you have my stamp of approval. Yeah, look, I mean, Frank, when it comes to Tigers, uh, I trusted you going into the draft season. And then, uh, you know, you threw a player my way that had three wins and 17 losses on the season. And then when I asked you about it, you said, really? I didn't realize that. So, you know, honestly, uh, you just lost a lot of credibility in my mind with guys on the Tigers. I'm going to have to do my own research and figure out who I want on Detroit. You have lost your stamp of approval with me on that. I mean, you tell me to draft a guy and you didn't even know what his win-loss record was? Dude, it was 3-17. and 17. I'm out on you. That's how meaningless wins and losses are at the MLB level here, Craig. We don't care about losses. Who cares if Spencer Turnbull lost 17 games last year? He's going to give you strikeouts. He's going to lower his ERA. He's going to help you in whip as well. And those are the things we want out of Spencer Turnbull. So, you know, we'll throw it out there. A random stamp of approval. You've got it. That is Spencer Turnbull. I'm not turning my back on you. We are back on the bull in 2020. Losses don't matter here for fantasy baseball purposes. All right, let's move over to another hitter here, a slugger of sorts, and that is Kyle Schwarber, who finally managed to stay healthy in 2019. This guy is a stat cast hero. You heard of the Fran Mill Reyes's, you heard of the Nelson Cruz's, and now we have Kyle Schwarber. Barrel percentage, exit velocity, expected slugging percentage, Xwo bacon, Xwo sausage, whatever metric you want to look at, he was 93rd percentile or higher in each of those. 
to put it, Frank. He makes really, really hard contact. Speaking of contact, he lowered his K rate to 25.6% last year. That was the lowest of his career, which helped immensely with the batting average. He brought the batting average up to around 250. You see it there on the graphic. And if he lowers the strikeout rate a little bit more, who knows? Maybe we could be looking at a 260 hitter. If you play in an OBP league or a points league, Kyle Schwarber is going to help you there as well. He has great plate discipline. And it just it's a matter of staying healthy for him because last year he was not a product of the juice ball. He just finally stayed healthy. And he gave us 38 home runs. Kyle Schwarber, you do have my stamp of approval. And there it is, Frank's four guys that he has a stamp of approval on 2020. May not know their win-loss record, but still like the player. Fair enough. Uh, coming up next, uh, a hitter, Jordan Alvarez. Is he healthy? Is he not? Where does he stand? We'll have the latest on him and talk about where you should be taking him this draft season. Back on Fantasy Sports today, one final segment. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Frank back here with you as we get ready to wrap up this Friday. Uh, catch Frank a little bit later on here on Sports Grid on the BFF show as they'll be previewing the catcher's position. You probably could have come up with a little bit of a better tease than that, Frank, because I think of all the positions in baseball, that's probably the, the one that people want to know about the least. Anything anything better that you can do on that one? We could have brought in Susmania to give us a little tease. Um, we'll find out about Greg's weekend, of course. You know there what's you go. going on. Greg's um, weekend at home That's with Greg Sussman. That's a great reason to watch. There yeah, I mean these these are the things that you know we like to talk about here on the BFFs, and you know I, I think people are very interested in those types of topics here, Craig. So catchers, Greg Sussman's life, his weekend, what's going on at home, what is he cooking tonight, how did he sleep last night? We'll talk about all of it on BFFs. Wow, is that amazing? Work? That's. I mean, that's just, that's a phenomenal tease. Like, I think the, the, the Pluto TV rating is just, like, soaring based on that. Tease. All right. Uh, they have seen a spike in the 3 to 4 p.m. hour. Yeah. Um, uh, what spike? Spike down? <laughs> no, no, no. That, that, that way. Sometimes it could be a spike down, too. A dip, I guess, would be a word for it. Spike TV? Are we on Spike TV? <laughs> All right, uh, Jordan Alvarez uh, in the NFBC uh, 56th pick uh, in the latest NFBC Draft Championship uh, League. How do you know this? Are you in yet another one of these leagues? Like, how much money are you throwing away on these? No. Yes, of course I'm in another draft, Craig. And he did go pick 56. And how I have the fourth pick in this draft. We don't, we don't we don't talk about that, Craig. We just we just keep drafting. We don't talk about how many drafts we have. We just keep. You know drafting. when you get married, you're um, so not going to be able to spend all this money on. Them. You're going to have to stop. Well, Craig, how do you think I'm going to afford my wedding? I'm going to take down the draft champion. With the NFBC That's gonna be money, me. I am going to be I the draft it. champion. I doubt that. Yeah. You know how much? You maybe you could just <laughs> pay for win the, the overall. Yeah. Maybe I get Greg Sussman to pay for it. 
he's known for uh, you know having the big bucks, right? Got the big so, bucks, right? We'll see. Right we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, so I had the fourth pick in this draft. I mentioned I started with Garrett Cole. And sitting there in the fourth round, one pick away from me was Yordan Alvarez. And I started thinking, all right, I mean, this has to be an overreaction, right? Because up until last week, Yordan Alvarez was a second-round pick, a third-round pick. I mean, we all saw what he did last year between the minors and the majors. Nearly 50 home runs hit between both levels. Uh, The bat looks legit, can hit lefties, hit righties. Plate discipline is there. Everything you want out of a young hitter, you have it in Jordan Alvarez, except for the health of his knees, which is causing, obviously, uh, some some trepidation here in the draft community over on NFBC. And so I put out a poll before the show, Craig, asking, knowing what you know now about Jordan Alvarez, where do you feel okay drafting him? And I made the option to pick 30 to 40, pick 40 to 50, pick 50 to 60, or you just can't draft him. And... The results so far are all pretty even uh, with pick 40 to 50 being the, the lead vote getter at 31%. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts about how worried you are about this. Obviously, look, designated hitter at 22 years old can't play the field. You're worried about not one knee, but both knees. And this comes one week after him saying he played through knee soreness last year. So when I saw him available in the fourth round, I said, wow, I got to be all over this, right? There's value here. And then the more I'd read into it, I'm like, all right, there's a lot of risk, actually, with Yordan Alvarez. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, one of these days we just get, all right, he's going to miss the first couple months of the season or he needs knee surgery. So, obviously, uh, there is some risk involved with drafting Yordan Alvarez. What says you, Craig Mish, when it comes to the uh, second-year player with the Houston Astros? Yeah, I think there's a little bit. It's a second-year player coming off a great year. Uh, a player, again, in, in our world of fantasy that you can only put in the utility spot. I, I thought that he could play defense. I'm very surprised that that he didn't get any eligibility whatsoever last year. Frank, did he not play any defense at all? Did he play any games at all at first base? I believe he played nine games in the outfield last year. So with the NFBC, you need 10 games uh, the year before to, or I believe it's 20 games the year before to have eligibility, and you need 10 games the season of. So maybe there's a chance Jordan Alvarez will play the outfield when they go to National League Parks this year, but with everything going on with the, this knee situation, maybe not. Maybe they don't want to risk him potentially hurting those knees even more and, and putting him in the outfield. So seems like he's only going to have utility for the foreseeable future, unless of course you play in Yahoo, Craig, because if you've ever looked at a position, you have that eligibility in That's Yahoo. True. But for most leagues that I've seen, Yordan Alvarez is strictly utility only. Yeah, it, it, I think it's kind of rare to uh, have a player, Frank, that's so young that doesn't play the field, you know? Like, even Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and I saw a report today saying that uh, they could swap him and Travis Shaw from third to first. Like, even he is getting an opportunity to play a little defense. I don't ever remember a player this young in his first year just done with defense. But I guess that's kind of the way they're going to go. I'm still okay with him, but, you know, the bottom line is that if you are drafting right now and you are in a slow draft, you probably have to bump him down a little bit, I would think. Um, But I'm not big on just the utility guys. And I, we've talked about that throughout the week. And it's a failure on my part. It's like a blind spot. I don't take Cruz. I don't take like David Ortiz. And they just keep hitting every single year. So that's on me. 
Yeah, and I actually go the other way. I don't mind drafting the utility-only players. In the NFBC main event last year, I wound up taking Otani, knowing he wasn't going to pitch. He's obviously a great hitter whenever he is used in that role, obviously in the lineup for the Angels, and we'll see that early on in the season. But he's another one who has utility-only. Miguel Andujar in a few spots only has utility to start the season. He'll gain outfield eligibility, potentially some third and first base as well. But I don't mind you know, targeting these players, uh, Miguel Andujar, Otani, Nelson. Nelson Cruz. I have Nelson Cruz in maybe, I don't know, I've done five or six drafts so far. I might have him in like three or four of them. I, I just keep drafting Nelson Cruz everywhere because at some point it's going to fall off or not. Look at David Ortiz. I mean, the guy continued mashing even into his final season when he wound up retiring. So, you know, Nelson Cruz is one of those players that hit 40 home runs last year in like 120 games, still gives you a good batting average, best lineup in baseball. So I don't shy away from these utility-only players, uh, but I, I did want to have this Yordan Alvarez conversation because it really surprised me that, uh, you know, he was slipping down that far. But then, you know, when you do look a little bit deeper into it, I understand the worry, the concern when it comes to Alvarez right now. Uh, Craig, it seems like you're not going to draft him, but what point would you have to uh, see him fall to in order to draft him, right? If you were going to, is it that 30 to 40 range, 40 to 50, 50 to 60, or is it just, all right, it's not happening with Yordan Alvarez? Yeah, I mean, I, it's probably, look, it's just based, I can't give you that answer because it's based on the roster construction. It's based on what I have, uh, you know, you know kind of still what's out there and, uh, and things like that. I would say that's part of it. Um, Okay, so I know that we have exit velocity coming up, and Frank, you're going to do that, and you're going to close out the show. But let me just say this. If there was ever a time for me to um, want this week to end, you would never know from me doing these shows, but it would be this week. Like, my son finally, finally, after like 10 days, is over the flu. Like, literally 10 days. I got hacked on Twitter. I lost my account for days hacked my uh, email, Venmo, everything else, had to get that all back, hosting this show, doing other live streams. And uh, I just wanted to share that with you, Frank, at the end. And that's that's nothing against sports grid. I enjoy doing these shows, and we've had a great week of shows. But this is going to be a weekend I am going to sit back and enjoy because it has been no fun this week. But the good news is that in two minutes from now, it's over. Yeah, and you've earned the weekend here, Craig, as you mentioned, dealing with everything with your Twitter account, broadcasting live from the ballpark. I mean, that's not a burden, obviously. That's fun to do, but it, it takes some work, obviously. And shout-out to Mini Mish. I hope he's doing well, also uh, recovering from the flu. So there you go, man. Kick the feet up. Enjoy some baseball. Uh, get some more fun interviews so we can drive Hunter Harvey's price even higher, Craig. We will do that. And as we end the show, I turn it over to Frank Stamfel for a Friday edition of Exit Velocity. Velocity. All right, so here on Exit Velocity today, I'm not going to talk about anything sports-related. I don't even know if I'm supposed to, so I'll have that conversation with Craig Mish after the show shortly. I'm going to talk about something I noticed today on the train. You know, I love to bring in my stories, some of the creatures that I see here in the subway system of New York City and New Jersey as well. New York, the city that never sleeps. Unless, of course, you're on the L train in the morning, because then not only are you sleeping, but you're snoring. A gentleman today on the train with, I mean, we're talking about a very crowded subway here in New York City. This gentleman traveling to work, 
He's got his attire on. He's ready to go. He's got his suitcase. He's surrounded by a ton of people. The snoring away. And I'm not saying, like, lightly snoring. This man is snoring. And you can hear it from the other side of the train. I get it, man. People are tired. I'm tired in the morning. I, I would love to take a nap on my way here to work. And if I do, I'm not snoring. And look, there are a lot of homeless people here in New York. That's just a reality. And it's not, it's not a great reality that we want to talk about. But it's not even like he was a homeless guy. Because if you're a homeless guy, you're allowed to snore on the train. Because the train is technically your home. You snore at home, you can snore on the train if you're a homeless guy. It wasn't a homeless guy. It was just a gentleman traveling to work today here in New York City. So shout out to that guy, man. Bad job there. I don't mind you sleeping on the train, taking a nap, getting ready for your day. It's fine. I sleep on the train all the time. I, I sleep going home. I don't snore on the train. You, do you snore at work? No. Don't, don't snore on the train, man. Other people are, you know, trying to listen to music. Trying to get ready for their day as well. So there you go. That is Exit Velocity here on a Friday. Shout out to Craig Mish. Shout out to Mini Mish as well. Hope he's doing all right. Uh, we will be back on Monday, Fantasy Sports Today, as we continue with our team previews. Haven't decided yet what team we're going to start with, but it sounds like we're going to go with the American League Central on Monday for Craig Mish and everybody down in the pit, Danny Okers, Chris Bovona, Brian as well. I am Frank Stample. Thank you all so much for watching. And remember, stay classy, fantasy owners. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.